Hi, I am Ambassador Luis Gallegos, and you are listening to ADA Live. Yo. Good afternoon. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center and the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University and the ADA National Network, welcome to episode 74 of ADA Live. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Blank. I'm a university professor and chairman of the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University. Before we move on to the listening audience, you may submit your questions about the ADA at any time to adalive.org. And today we have a very special guest for this episode of ADA Live, Ambassador Luis Gallegos, lawyer, ambassador, extraordinary, permanent representative of Ecuador to the United Nations in New York. And it's a great honor, Ambassador, to have you with us. We're so delighted to have you on the show today. Peter, thank you very much, uh, and uh, I, it's an honor for me and a pleasure to be with you uh, and the team in this in this very important program. Thank you, Ambassador, and and you of course have a a storied diplomatic career. Before you've worked in New York on this round, you were of course Ecuador's permanent representative to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. You served as ambassador to the United States for many years from 2005 to 2011, two previous terms as Ecuador's permanent representative to the United Nations in New York, as well as serving as ambassador to Australia and El Salvador, and probably more than much more than most people do in a lifetime, just there alone. But you have a an important and unique worldwide view. You've made it your life's passion to work with and support and help protect people with disabilities over the life course and across the globe. And I thought we'd begin, Ambassador, by asking you, what do you see as the successes and challenges and opportunities for people with disabilities that have emerged across the globe in all the important work you have done over the years? Thank you very much, Peter, for that uh, that very that very beautiful and nice introduction. Um, and uh, I, I I thank you for for for, for the concept you're, you you've just said. It has been it has been uh, an, a very important issue in my life and my family's life. Uh, how we can uh, protect and promote the rights of persons with disabilities around the world. Since I was engaged as chairman of the working group that drafted uh, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Uh, done from 2002 to 2005, uh, uh, we'll talk about, uh, about how this would develop, but fundamentally I think it was the result of decades of work of the leaders of the disability community that made this possible. Uh, we have now an international legislation on issues of disability that uh, was approved by the General Assembly in 2006. So we have more than a decade uh, of the of the CRPD working. What are the opportunities? I think that it is now a thematic on, on a national and international agenda. Uh, we have 180 
states parties of the United Nations out of the 193. We only have 13 more to go to make it a universal convention on those rights. Um, there are always challenges in inclusion of persons with disabilities that I think are uh, what we should look into uh, in, in, in the near future. Uh, we've advanced uh, important steps in, 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 this, in this concept, but I think the roadmap is laid out and it should be also uh, one of the endeavors of worldwide society to have, inclusive, to have an inclusive and holistic society uh, as we would like all of us in mankind to have. Well, thank you, Ambassador. And of course, in addition to that important work, we have worked together with you as the Honorary Chairman of the Global Universal Design Commission, the GUDC, which goal is to promote understanding and inclusion of people with disabilities into all aspects of society, just as you were talking about with regard to the UN Convention. What do you see as the most critical aspects of your work bridging the work between the universal design movement, global universal design, and of course, the principles of the UN Convention? I remember that when we negotiated the convention, we had to define uh, what universal design was. And fundamentally, we, uh, uh, we came up with a design of products, environments, programs, and services to be, to be, uh, to be usable by all peoples. To the, to the greatest extent possible. Now, I, I'd like to answer your question, Peter, by giving you my thoughts on this issue, using your question as, as a basis. You're either born with a disability or you acquire it during your life by accident, by sickness, by war, by many other causes. But certainly as you age, we all will be disabled in some way or the other. Therefore, universal design is what is conceived as an adaptive design for all of our uses in, in humankind. Uh, if you make a product and it's designed for the use of persons uh, with extreme disability or persons uh, that, to, that have difficulties in any way, you're designing it for the rest of the population. And I think that should be ingrained in how uh, we, have, we make buildings, how we make roads, how we have urban settings and rural settings, and how we have our educational system and our medical facilities with this allocation. So I think that it's a, it's a great challenge to have societies adapt their everyday life to these capabilities to make their societies inclusive to all persons who have uh, any type of disability. What do you see, Ambassador, as the challenges we face today, perhaps, in furthering the advancement of the UN Convention uh, in terms of terrific issues faced around the world in terms of climate change, poverty, migration, immigration. Uh, do you see a connection across all those venues? When you have an international problem like climate change, which goes beyond borders, you have to look for international solutions because national solutions in one's own territory are not enough. These affect uh, human beings. They not only affect the extreme cases of climate deterioration, the changes are creating migratory patterns of persons who are leaving their countries because they cannot survive under their traditional conditions. The issue, therefore, is how persons with disabilities are affected by climate change. 
how they will be affected by climate change as we move into a sequence patterns that are more are, are graver in the world. How persons with disabilities are affected by those migratory patterns as they become migrants or they become refugees. Making a distinction that migrants normally are persons who cross borders in order to have a better life and work uh, and work in, in, in other societies while refugees are fleeing for their lives. You have the, the issues of peace. When I say peace and war in the, in the sense, you of course have persons who are killed and persons who are made disabled by war. I think that that is a reality in the world and uh, we have to be very careful of how this violence is an antecedent to, to this. I can uh, underline terrorism. Uh, terrorism causes many deaths, but it causes much more persons with disabilities. You have the issue of weapons like the personal mines, uh, landmines, that main and continue to main a huge number of persons every year as they were deposited in countries that were in conflict and have not been removed or, could not, or can't be removed because of the reality of the terrain and so on. So you have many issues that uh, have to be dealt with in, tra in a transversal way in which we look at these problems from a multidimensional, multidisciplinary capability in order to find solutions. And where, where we can't find them on the basis of an international legislation like the CRPD and where we should look into the solutions as a commonality of mankind and of the nation states that form the United Nations. Well, and, and Ambassador, you of course come from an amazing country, Ecuador, from its beaches to mountains to Amazon to Galapagos Islands. What would you say on a personal level in terms of Ecuador? Can you illustrate these connections in terms of, as you use the example, climate change, people with disabilities, even how it may affect uh, the nature of the products that uh, Ecuador may buy or export? Well, Peter, you, as you know, and you visited us in Ecuador and uh, you met the president of Ecuador, the president of Ecuador, Mr. Lenin Moreno, is a person in a wheelchair. He became a wheelchair user after an assault uh, which uh, hinders him because of a gunshot. Uh, Mr. Moreno has been able to establish in Ecuador uh, in the last decade when he was vice president and now president, a, uh, a policy for disability as a national endeavor. Uh, I think we've advanced very, very well in many cases. But uh, we have to acknowledge that the last reports on climate change, for example, state that countries like Ecuador will no longer be able to cultivate coffee or cocoa beans for, for chocolate if the actual deterioration of climate uh, continues because the varieties of, of these plants will no longer subsist under the, under the climate change. That means that hundreds of thousands of people will, will not have jobs. And, not, and those people, well, when I talk about jobs, I also talk about the impact on families. Uh, when you have uh, flooding or you have deterioration of your snow-capped mountains, which can create the conditionalities for flooding, how does this affect people uh, uh, with disabilities? We have, um, we have experience in Ecuador as a unique case in which um, we can 
positioned by, by satellite persons with disabilities in our coastal regions and, and move them inland if we have a, a tsunami alert. Uh, they are moved by their communities or individually by their families or by the, by the armed forces of Ecuador, but we have in place uh, programs and strategic uh, dealings with civil society in order to move, uh, to move persons inland and also, we have a country that has volcanoes and therefore has earthquakes, in which we also have designed programs for cases of eruptions. Uh, I think that uh, all all the issues that have to deal with the uh, with a, with the human person, in, in in reality, without a distinction if they are disabled or not, have to be taken into consideration in order to have an integral program uh, uh, for persons with disabilities. And of course, as, as they are seen uh, as vulnerable, we, we, we in Ecuador define vulnerability fundamentally in women, in children, uh, in disability, and indigenous and our indigenous populations. So they are prioritized in the treatment the government has to give them and the, the treatment society has to give them in, in these cases. Well, that's fascinating, Ambassador. And, and at this point, I'd like to just remind our listening audience that if you have any questions about this month's topic or any of our other ADA live topics, please submit your questions at 1-404-541-9001. That's the telephone number, 1-404-541-9001, or through our website at www.adalive.org. Let's pause for a word from our featured organization. Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, the CRPD, was adopted by the General Assembly of the United Nations by Resolution 61106 on December 13, 2006. It came into force on May 3rd, 2008, upon its 20th ratification. The convention follows decades of work by the United Nations to change attitudes and approaches to people with disability. It takes to a new height the movement from viewing people with disabilities as objects of charity, medical treatment, and social protection, towards viewing people with disabilities as subjects with rights, who are capable of claiming those rights and making decisions for their lives, based on their free and informed consent, as well as being active members of society. The convention is intended as a human rights instrument with an explicit social development dimension. It adopts a broad categorization of persons with disabilities and reaffirms that all persons with all types of disabilities must enjoy all human rights and fundamental freedoms. It clarifies and qualifies how all categories of rights apply to people with disabilities and identifies areas where adaptations have to be made for people with disabilities to effectively exercise their rights and areas where their rights have been violated and where protection of rights must be reinforced. Article 40 of the convention stipulates the state's parties shall meet regularly, a conference of state's parties, COSP, in order to consider any matter with regard to the implementation of the present convention. The conference of state parties has met once each year since 2008. Back to you, Peter. So, Ambassador Gallegos, we're back, and uh, 
You have recently been honored appropriately as to be the chair of the Conference of State Parties, the so-called COSP. Perhaps you can tell our listeners about uh, that endeavor, the importance of it, how you came to that job, and, and what, you're, what you're working on. Well, thank you very much, Peter. But uh, I, I was just listening to the, the explanation of the convention. I, I'll tell you an, an anecdote of mine first. And the, the convention was approved on the 13th of December, 2006, which is my birthday. I think it's been the best gift I've ever received in, in my life as the General Assembly approved that convention on the, on the day of my birthday. And then it came into force the, the 3rd of May of 2008 upon the 20th ratification, which was of Ecuador. We timed it to do that because as we just spoke a few minutes ago, Ecuador is one of the leaders of the disability movement internationally. I am the chairman of the Convention of the State Parties uh, of the Convention of, 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 of Persons with Disabilities. It's a two-year appointment. We have been chairs for 2019 and 2020. Each year, we have a, a general meeting, which is, I would say, the highlight of the international disability communities meetings here in New York. We go over specific issues that we deal with that have to be approved both by state parties and by civil society. The last session was held last June. It was the 12th session of, of the COSP. And uh, the thematics we included were technology, uh, uh, accessibility to technology, especially communication uh, technologies in communication and information, culture and, and sports and issues that have to deal with community values and health issues. We plan that the next cost may, uh, according to our conversations with civil society, the disability community, will be in part on the issues of political participation and peace. So it is a very intense meeting for a week in New York where we have over 1,500 participants and we have not only the meetings between the governments and civil society, but we also have parallel events. Last meeting was near 100. Now the, the COSP recently held its 12th session, as you said, this past June. What's the current relation and activities in terms of the focus of the COSP and the CRPD going forward, you think, specifically? Well, the issues we have at hand are dealt with in a very democratic way in which we field the thematics that the, the, this meeting of the, of the COSP will have. They are dealt with, uh, with, with civil society's inputs and with academic inputs also. Therefore, the meetings are held in panels of experts on this with questions and answers from the, from the forum, but also the uh, relevant reports that the countries, the members of the, of the convention, which are 180 at this point, who have exceeded, but will report to the convention on how they have advanced disability in the field of compliance with this convention. Besides, the convention creates a committee of experts that meets in Geneva twice a year to monitor the reports of countries that are members of the convention and monitors their compliance and their reports. So uh, we have an integrated system also of national me mechanisms following how countries and uh, state parties are advancing in the compliance with the rights of persons with disabilities according to the convention. Very important. 
worked. Uh, Ambassador, perhaps you can take a step back now. You've been in so many important roles and from the beginning of the CRPD and before. What, what do you see as the most important pressing issues right now at the ground level that are needed to protect and promote the rights of people with disabilities across the globe? When we began the process, Peter, there was a battle cried by the disability community that was nothing about us without us. I think that the, the major challenge is ownership, is ownership by the persons with disabilities of this reality. I think political participation in democratic processes across the globe are extremely important. I think that persons have to be participating from the disability community in the decision of public policy. There has to be an explanation to others, political spheres and the economic spheres, in, in the social spheres, on what the needs of the disability community are. This galvanizes the, the numbers. According to the UN World Health Organization, the last report in 2011, so this, this is, these, are, these are numbers from then, there were a billion people with disabilities around the world. Probably that number will be reviewed in the next report by, made by the World Bank and the World Health Organization. So you have a number of persons that span the globe that are disabled. But you also have aging as a factor, and I would like to underline that because I have a, a very personal position in this because I do think that th there are issues that we have to consider in the protection of the rights of persons with, uh, that are aging that have to deal with these issues of disability. And the aging population is between 800 million and a billion. So you have a number of 2 billion people approximately that have or will have disabilities in the world. Now, they, those people also have sons and daughters. They are fathers. They have uh, wives and families. So the number of stakeholders in this issue is well above the 4 billion people who have or are touched by some way on disability. That demands a, a vision of public policy that was not clarified adequately before. You have to have the numbers and the data to do this. You have to have inclusiveness in all senses of public life and in societies. What I think we manage to have now is that the issue of disability be a conscious, knowledgeable by the political elite and by the economic elite of countries, by transnational corporations and businesses that now understand that it, it is a huge market that they should recognize and not despise or leave aside to say it better. But I believe that the world society has changed in order to be more sensitive. There is still a lot of work to do because the disparities and the inequities of the disabled community are huge. And we have to work very diligently in creating the situations in education, the situations in the workplace that will permit the disability community to fully engage in our societies. I think that is the, the ultimate goal of any society, to be a holistic society where differences are respected and are part of reality and not an issue of discrimination or segregation. So well said, Ambassador. I, I wanted to thank you again. We're almost out of time, but you and I could go on all day, and I'd, I'd <laughs> learn so much, and so would our audience. But is there anything else you'd like to emphasize or share with our listening audience? You will be 
beamed all across the country and thousands of listeners will be very interested in in not only hearing about what you've done, but your vision for going forward. Are there any other issues you'd like to share? Thank you very much for this opportunity. It is a great opportunity to foster the cause of persons with disabilities. I'm a believer. I am a believer in God. And I always have, in my life, had the hope for a better future. I think that uh, this is a milestone in the history of the disability community, especially internationally with this convention, which we all and a huge number of people helped to do this. But I also think that we should look into the future with more hope that we can change our societies. This is something that people do not think about when they look into the face of a person with a disability. We are changing societies. We are making a difference in societies in which this thematic was despised by ignorance, by, uh, by fear in many cases. We have to look at it in a realistic way to make our societies better and to make our societies whole. As human beings, we have to respect the human rights of all. Well, thank you so much, Ambassador. As always, it is a terrific honor to listen to you, to to hear from you, and, and importantly, to share your views with this very large listening audience. And again, this is Peter Blank signing off from a terrific episode, and we look forward to doing this again soon. Thank you. Listeners, our guest for this episode of ADA Live has been Luis Gallegos, JD, the ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary permanent representative of Ecuador to the United Nations in New York. As always, we thank you for joining us for this episode of ADA Live. This episode and all previous ADA Live episodes are available on our website at adalive.org as well as our SoundCloud channel at soundcloud.com backslash ADA Live. All episodes are archived in a variety of formats, including streamed audio and accessible transcripts. You can also download as, as a podcast. It's as easy as going to the podcast icon on your mobile device. Search for ADA Live. Listening audience, remember to check out the ADA Anniversary Toolkit from the Southeast ADA Center and the ADA National Network for celebration of the ADA anniversary, the 30th anniversary, on July 26, 2020, and also year-round in celebration of the ADA. The toolkit features media, a media kit, publications, other resources to keep the celebration going at www.adaanniversary.org. As a reminder, if you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can submit your questions anytime online at adalive.org. You can contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And please remember that all calls are free and they're confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center. Our producer is Celestia Orazda with Beth Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marsha Schwanke, and me, Barry Whaley. Our music is from Four Wheel City, the movement for improvement. We'll see you next episode. Yeah,